of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There are harsh gods out there in the human story. There are gods who demand of their worshippers mutilation, human sacrifice, that widows be burnt with their dead husbands. Some gods out there are cruel and terrible. I almost hesitate to tell this story from the past because it is so dark, but back in the 13th century in Korea, they were trying to build a specially beautiful bell and it just wouldn't work. They just couldn't get it sorted at all. Until a monk came along and said that he had had a divine revelation. A divine revelation that if a child were sacrificed in the making of the bell, the bell would ring true and sure. So a little boy was taken from his mother, put in the molten metal, 
worked into the making of the bell. The bell was made. It was a beautiful bell to look at. But whenever people heard it, they thought they heard the sound Emil, 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 or Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. All because of a divine revelation. I don't think so. When in 1487 they were reconsecrating the great pyramid of Tekochtitlan, that's how you pronounce it, my Egyptians, not all it might be. But they reckon that 80,400 prisoners were sacrificed to the great gods. The Aztecs believed that the gods liked children's tears before they would rain on the crops. So children were sacrificed. There have been some harsh, cruel, ugly gods out there. Mind you, Scotland has had its own experience of harsh gods. And perhaps still has. The god whose servants have been cruel and abusive in his name who thought that faith could be beaten into children and sin thrashed out of them. A cruel God who has no place in his heart for gays or women elders or people of other faiths and other denominations. No room for people who have failed or made mistakes or have been divorced or had an illegitimate child or a whole universe of reasons not to be loved by God. There are cruel gods out there who break bruised reeds, who snuff out flickering candles, who have no compassion for the vulnerable, the feckless and the lost, only judgment and condemnation and hard, hard religion. And the irony is that out there, so many wounded fawns run in the forest. So many people bruised and battered and betrayed and alone who long to be affirmed and valued and hugged and held. People whose egos have been shredded by circumstance and all the hurts that people do to each other. Out there is a bottomless well of needing to be gentled and loved. Individuals who are fragile and brittle and have started to wonder if they matter to anyone. And the rest of the world seems so self-contained and confident and in such a hurry and so blind to the need in them. The irony is, with all these harsh gods out there, what the world needs now is tenderness. How times have changed. When I was an anxious teenager, worried about how to deal with girls, I was led to believe that what a woman most wanted in a man was a sense of humour. I remember being asked by my primary school teacher, what would you most look for in a woman? And I said, well, the woman I married would have to have a sense of humour. And she said, you're dead right, Lawrence. The woman you married would have to have a sense of humour. Which, when you're a plucky little 12-year-old, is not really what you want to hear. 
But apparently, even a guy without much money and only passably good-looking could be assured of success with women as long as he had a sense of humour. It's in all the adverts. Good sense of humour. GSH. Make them laugh and you're, you're well away. I understand, however, that what a woman wants in a man nowadays is, if you pardon me saying this, a pair of tight buns and a vast wad of cash. A nice pert little derriere and a large wad of cash. Now if that shocks you, it's nothing as to how it shocks me. Throw away the joke book, get out the exercise bike. All the old simplicities are gone in these cynical, abrasive, acquisitive times. It's all so different. I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure that's not true. One thing that hasn't gone out of fashion, however, apparently is the desire women have to experience tenderness. Tenderness is always welcome, perhaps especially in these hard-nosed, cold-hearted days, and men are learning that it's okay. It's okay to be tender. It's good to be tender. They're successfully scotching the lie that big boys don't cry, that real men don't eat quiche, and men are rediscovering their capacity for Tenderness, freeing the feminine in them, rejecting the inevitable conflicts and consequences that arise because men apparently are from Mars and women are from Venus. Men are asserting their right to demonstrate gentleness, compassion, thoughtfulness and caring. And you'll have seen such men in the adverts or in the movies, usually played by Tom Hanks, Men unafraid of the richness and the complexity of their emotional responses. They're called new men, new men, in touch with their inner softness, tired of the demand that they be cold and calculating and brusque and businesslike, instead relishing their wholeness as people. It's a time when men are allowed to be vulnerable, to express and face and share their vulnerability, and that makes them human. And releases them from the straight jacket of their culturally imposed macho. So dads take their part in bathing the babies and changing the nappies. And they get down on the floor and they ooh and ah with the best of them. And they hug their children and they relish the liberty that allows them to be warm and spontaneous, loving and tender. And that has to be a, a vast improvement on the bad old days when men stood back and left all that to the women left the nurturing role to the women, men trapped in the cliched mythologies. Of course, tenderness is a two-way street. We need to demonstrate it, and we certainly need to experience it. We need to allow ourselves to show it, because if we don't, we stultify our true self. When someone hardens their heart, guess what happens? Their heart becomes hard. Unless we can learn to feel tenderness, something precious in us withers and dies. And in spades and to the nth degree, we need to experience it shown towards us. The passage we read from Hosea has always been one of my favourites. I love that daring, dangerous, outrageous imagery that the prophet uses. How God, like a kindly, loving father, down on his knees playing with the child Israel God holding the child to his cheek oh I love that at baptisms 
and you get to hold the baby and you, you hold it to your cheek. I don't know what the baby makes of it all, a bit itchy, scratchy show, but never mind. And that other image from, from Psalm 131, God with a child resting on his chest, as it were, tousled hair, safe and secure and loved and in a strong place, in the right place where we belong. These are powerfully shocking images that make a wonderful symbolic statement about the love of God. A God who loves in all the risk and closeness of that. Which is a billion light years away from God as a philosophical idea. God as mind. God as the moving principle behind the universe. God as the tyrant to be assuaged. God as inanimate, impersonal force. Instead, here is intimacy and involvement, reaching down, taking risks. It is outrageous. How could we be so presumptuous? This is the Lord of all we're talking about here, holding to his heart, pressing us to his cheek. At this moment, enter Dr. Freud and all the reductionist materialists. They step in and they accuse us of making God in our image. Because we know a little bit about loving, we extrapolate the graph, we inflate the image, we superimpose that on God, and that makes us feel good. And that's certainly one interpretation of what's going on. But in actual fact, the Christian view takes it from precisely the opposite side. We know about loving and caring and tenderness... Because God has made us in his image with those tendencies, those capacities, those possibilities. And if we are very blessed, we can experience and express that image of God in the relationships that we develop and we share in. Because we're a chip off the old block, as it were. We can love, we can demonstrate tenderness. And the more closely we resemble that loving heart of the Father which defines what love is and shows us how to do it, the closer we are to that, the more likely we are to be able to bring it to other people, to live it out in our connections, in our relationships. So we look around our world in the desert of human relationships and we see the need, we acknowledge the need for the refreshing water of tenderness to pour over the arid lives of many, many people, bringing them hope. We understand the blessing of this, to giver of tender care and recipient of tender care. So how does does it work? How does it get to us, this tenderness of God? How is the love and the fatherly care brought into our story, into our need? Well, certainly through music and beauty, through the words of fine hymns and the power of good tunes to slip in under our guard and touch us in deep places. You can't sing, do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, you are mine. When you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. You will never sink beneath the waves. How can we sing? But you are always close to me, following all my ways. May I be always close to you, following all your ways, Lord. A perfect blend of truth and tune, word and music, reaching into our aloneness and our pain with healing power.
He brings his tender love to us through the people he commissions to do his work in the world, to be his hands and his heart, a nun by a bedside, touching a fevered brow, the tenderness of God, a welcoming hand that brings a homeless person in from the cold, the listening ear of the nurse sitting by a bedside during the long watches of the night, there for a frightened patient. The pastor who holds someone's hand in a crisis. People out there incarnating the tender heart of God, making peace at their workplace, lifting the spirits of the downhearted, gently leading a child in the right path. And when we make the space and take the times and seek out the moments, he's there with us too. We meditate on his truth, we settle into his love, In the quiet moment of prayer, the tender touch of God enfolds us. So times change, fads in romance come and go, but tenderness is never out of fashion in human relations and in God's approach. It's so precious, this tenderness, because it's about valuing someone, affirming the worth of someone, giving to someone and loving someone. This is the God we wait upon across the world today in prayer and worship. This is the God who listens to us because his heart is tender. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's bring our prayers for others now. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the people who have prayed for us. More people than we know who remembered us, our trials, our hurts, our anxieties. And who brought us to you, even though they they knew we were already on your heart, they brought us, and though they knew you had not forgotten us, still they brought us to the healing place of prayer and lifted us up in the midst of the wild sea and held us up as the quagmire sucked us down. Those people who prayed for us when we stumbled in the mist and had no idea which way to turn. Thank you for them. And for those who pray for us still, more than we know. And those who pray for us now, in this place, at this moment of opportunity, who pray for all those who are anxious and dealing with hard situations. Those who are praying for people who are worried about loved ones. Those who, like us, are praying for those who are far away from us, but always in our hearts.
And Lord, together we pray for your world, your beautiful, precious, tragic, broken-backed world, with its war-torn countries dragged deeper into crisis beyond our imagining. Your beautiful world with its struttings and posturings and saber-rattling. With its lost generations amusing themselves to death. While the world stumbles towards the pit. Lord, hear our prayers for your poor, beautiful, disturbed world that aches for your presence and thirsts for your love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen.